Coming up on the Love Today podcast. It was a time that I was listening to a lot of Kanye West and, you know, people can say whatever they want about Kanye West. Uh, for me and my experience with Kanye West and his music is very gratifying. And um, I heard a song that was the first time since a long time that I was genuine, genuinely hypnotized by music. You know, being at Berkeley, you're done with music right away. You're like, fuck it, I hate this. All the, it's all like read and, and figure shit out and homeworks and deadlines. And it kind of makes you sometimes, if you're not too good at that stuff, kind of despise the process of it. So having just graduated, I finally sat down again and I listened to the Jesus is King album. Um, and I heard a song called Use This Gospel. And before I knew it, that song was the catalyst motivator in me to to start a new project. I know I sound a little crazy sometimes when people say this, but uh, when I say this, but uh, I found God. Um, I found God in, in music and he came to me in a time that I didn't have any sort of faith on anything going on. And I owe Kanye West, of all people, uh, the thank you for making me feel something that was transcendent, that was above me. Hello, music aficionados and renegades and masters. Welcome back to the Love Today podcast. My name is Parmeshvar, also known as Ferluhan, and I'm here to help us rediscover our innate joy, balance, and drive in the here and now, one conversation at a time. Before I get started with introducing our wonderful guests today, Tristan Simone, uh, I just like I just want to say hi. It's been it's been a while since I've done one of these podcasts. Um, I think uh, it merits a kind of a explanation as to where I've been, what I've been up to. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing out of this hiatus, uh, so to speak, is that I wanted to share is that I, I got certified to be a meditation teacher uh, during this time and other things. I also self-published my first collection of short stories called Midnight Tarot. Um, which has been super cool and uh yeah it's been it's been a good time i'm super excited to be back and continue learning from these uh wise wild and kind masters and how we can better love our today every day um with that being said you know i am uh, giving individual sessions and also to groups as well meditation sessions um so if you're interested in, in taking a session with me and and you know working with your mind, finding a place of stillness, strength, and clarity within and without, um, please do feel free to go to lovetoday.live. It's super simple, super clear on how to book a session and begin your mindfulness journey towards a more peaceful state of mind. Yeah, that's all I'll say for now. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted on anything new that comes up, but thank you for listening to this if you're an original uh fan of the podcast and if you're a new uh fan then welcome you're you're very welcome here which is saying the same thing but (laughs) here we are all right back to the episode this week i'm hanging out with the ever wonderful musician and rebel rouser tristan simone 
Tristan is a rapper and singer-songwriter who captures the styles of his multicultural heritage in his artistry, which emerges from years of training in jazz, R&B, and Latin music. Tristan was one of the first rappers to ever be accepted to the esteemed Berklee College of Music, where his talent was recognized with the Berklee Achievement Scholarship. Simone has performed for Justin Timberlake, TRA, Missy Elliott, T-Pain, and industry legend Sylvia Rohn. His new album, The Wounded Coyote, is set to release in mid-July, just before his first appearance in Lollapalooza, Chicago, where I'm certain he will blow everyone away with his infectious energy, rhythmical decor, and memorable wit. So I've known Tristan since we were six-year-old munchkins. Uh, literally a long time ago, we met here in Costa Rica, uh, and then he moved uh, to, I think it was Spain he moved. Um, we were close here, but then it was sort of like a miraculous uh, coincidence or experience where uh, we both went to study to Boston. Um, and I knew he was around, you know, because of Instagram and all that jazz. And uh, I had the opportunity to direct a show celebrating Latinx culture. And I invited him and uh, to be the opener. And that was like after years of not knowing each other, after not talking, um, it was like that really wonderful moment of reconnection. Uh, and it was really particularly wonderful because uh, we dedicated the show to a friend of ours, Felipe Camacho, who had passed um, about a year ago since that show. So. Uh, yeah, man, what to say about Tristan? He's such an inspiring figure in my life, literally. Like, whenever I get down, whenever I question myself whether I should pursue this artistic life or not, um, listening to his music, uh, you know, thinking of him really helps you to keep going because he has such a tremendous drive, such a tremendous vision for his future and, and for, you know, the life that he wants to lead and and the, the community he wants to build, as you'll get to hear in the podcast later on, um, to bring good, you know, to, to make change uh, in this world that really needs it. Um, some highlights from our conversation include uh, Tristan's bombastic move from Boston to LA, a life-changing encounter with God, which fanned the flames for his new epic album, The Wounded Coyote, heartbreak and the lessons we can learn from it, the importance of being honest, retreat as a way of moving forward, not waiting for anyone to grant you permission to be your most authentic self. I'm really excited about this conversation uh, for, you, for you guys to hear it. Um, and also fun fact, uh, the, the theme song that it plays at the beginning of every show, that's Tristan, you know, he's been with the show since day one. Um, he was very gracious in, in allowing me to, to use his song called Higher Than This, uh, which is such a good song. Go, go listen to all his music. It's really, it's really quite uh, inspiring and, and, and energizing and yeah, I love it. If you leave this interview feeling inspired, feeling motivated, feeling energetic, I'd really appreciate it if you could help spread the love and share this episode with someone in your life. Maybe your mom, maybe your your sister, your lover, your, I always say lover and people hate that. They're like, ooh, don't say that. But you know, it is a word. I, I'm allowed to use my own choice of words. Anyway, share it with someone. I would really appreciate it. It really helps me out as I embark in this new adventure. And yeah, thank you so much. And now here we go with Tristan Simone. 
Hola Arturo, uh, otherwise known as Tristan Simone, the, el, el inimitable, el único, el poderoso. Uh, it's, it's, I'm so happy to be talking to you, man. It's been so long. Uh, you've, your life has gone so many different directions since we last spoke, like on a phone, you know, just casually. Um, and so you're actually the first person I speak in this new season from Left Today. Brother, thank you for having me. It's such an yeah. honor. Yeah, man. Um, cool. So I, I probably already gave a brief intro, intro to who you are as a musician and what you're working on. So I think we just got right started into kind of like what this last year has been for you as a musician, as a human being, my God. Um, <laughs> starting, uh, we can start, I guess, like the pandemic hits, like what goes through your mind at that moment, right? Like all the plans you had, I'm sure you were like, oh, well, shit, uh, I guess you're not working out for me anymore in that sense. So tell me what's going through your mind. Um, and uh, yeah, we can take it from there. To be quite frank, it was panic. And it, I mean, we all panicked, but, uh, you know, uh, for my own career and stuff, I was going like crazy because um, we had gotten the opportunity to perform at Lollapalooza last year and that was canceled. Uh, I was going to I was working on a very, very large uh, album that was all live instruments. So that could never be completed. Wow. Uh, we lost graduation, which, you know, it's not a big deal for a lot of people out there. I've recently realized, but um, I know that for like Berkeley and and what this college means to like musicians and people who actually make it past the four years because we, we have a huge drop rates, you know, so that's like a very symbolic achievement. Mm-hmm. For us. And it was, it was taken, taken away from us. Um, man, a, a relationship went down the drain, which is kind of the reason where, why we, you and I are talking <laughs> today um, because, you know, that relationship going to shit propelled a story that, I am not even 30% done telling. Wow. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of trying to get your shit together without knowing what the future or even that meant. Um, At one point things continued going downhill. I said, fuck it. We're moving to LA. We're doing a road trip. We've lost what we cared for the most. So we might as well go offline and enjoy the travels. So you know, yeah. months after the pandemic, we drove to LA. Yeah, I remember you went offline there for a little bit. Uh, and it really, you're such a, a beautiful writer. You're so honest and so clear. And so like, your writing flows in a way that is like not forced at all. Thank you. That happens to me as a writer as well. Uh, sometimes I overthink my writing and it comes out very choppy, uh, maybe too Hemingway-ish. But uh, yeah, I remember that note you 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 said, and I, I was so happy in the sense that we need. I feel like it's so important to take time off uh, from that Instagram world uh, and that world of illusion a little bit. Um, and so I'm happy you took that time. Um, and so you're on the road. The world is falling to pieces. 
Uh, what do you have a plan? Like what is, what is going on in your mind? Is it just like, let's just, you know, go, let's enjoy the, every moment of this. Or are you already, you know, trying to work everything that's going on inside of you into a, an out, outlet almost? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I went to shit. Um, like my, my confidence, my work, my patience, my ability to, to continue to post and create that was completely shattered after the relationship. Um, I actually had no expectations. Uh, the only thing that I, you know, I, I've always been a very me, me, me type of person. Uh, and I tried (laughs) not to be that when I fell in love and, um, being able to, you know, have another equal, and, and or someone that you, you're trying to just be better and more. I, I was trying to be more empathetic and less selfish and a lot, a lot of things that I could have done better in my relationship. But, you know, I was I was trying. So when that failed and that was my number one interest at the time, um, I, I didn't care anymore what happened. So I had no plans, no nothing. I wanted to make it to L.A., get the new room the one I'm in now and just shut the doors. I don't want to hear anything from anyone. And fortunately I did it. And actually career wise, I think so far, I mean, I'm fucking 23, what career, but, uh, it's been, (laughs) it's been, uh, a very strategic, I wasn't even trying for it to be strategic, but it ended up being strategic and it ended up being the best thing that I needed. Cause again, the way things were going, I don't know if I'd, I'd be having this conversation with you today. It was a, it was a mm-hmm. pretty, pretty dark period of my life. And this was August, September, July a bit. Wow. Of two, of yeah. Heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, Heartbreak really opens us up. People under, I mean, I don't know uh, if you've never been in a relationship, I don't know how to explain it, but this was the first time for me, uh, actually being in a mm. like, committed relationship that, you know, you had to invest a lot and, you know, having that fail and feeling that it was in your hands, why that failed. And yeah, that, that was, that, that took a jab. You know, I've, I've seen, I've had, you know, horrible things. We've all had horrible things happen. We've had friends pass away, family members. We've seen very, tra- a lot of tragedies, you know, in our lives, but for some reason, heartbreak so far has been the one that's definitely there's a before and after in my life from the day that my relationship came to an end. And I don't understand why I gave so much power to one person. I guess that's love or I don't know what it is, but yeah, that was a reason I, instead of flying to LA, I said, fuck it, let's do a road trip. I don't, I have no urgency to go to LA. Let's travel the Americana landscapes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what you're talking about is so true. Like heartbreak is such a, you can't understand what it is until you go through it. I feel like that feeling of literally your heart being like torn open and wanting to do something, but knowing you can't and how it lingers. Um, In my experience, you know, I've also gone through my fair share of heartbreak. I think I was always very emotional I, I don't want to say it like that. I was always very empathetic. I, I've been always super conscious and uh, in tune with other people's emotions. And I'm sure you are as well. And 
it's it's hard when you're so emotionally involved when those sentiments just like fall to pieces. Um, yeah, and I've also personally known. Yeah, I've also personally like felt, and this is kind of what I want to ask you now. Like, what comes out of those moments can at times be very beautiful. Um, obviously, not not uh, fetishizing the the pain and the suffering, but it's almost like a volcano explodes, and then from that lava in the ground, like really fertile, rich soil it's, happens, right? So it's funny that you're saying that because. <clears throat> The I was writing so much music and so much poetry and so much just paragraphs of nonsense. Uh, the second I got on that car and embarked on that road trip uh, late August, wow. and I wasn't planning or gearing or designing an album, a plan, an idea at all. I just all I had left with me that I gave a shit about and that I was so frustrated and my friends around me were tired of, I mean, they've been my number one support, but they're also tired of, of hearing the, I'm very, the kind the kind of guy that never lets things go. And it's a pretty big faulty mm. thing in my personality, but um, I didn't want to burden them as much as I, I, I'd been. So I just kept to writing and um, we arrived to a, so I think we last spoke in Vegas. And by the way, I never said this to you, but I saw the long ass message you sent me on Facebook after I said goodbye. And I never got back mm. to you, but I love you, man. And God bless you. And <laughs> you're the best. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Love you too. We, we made it to, to Las Vegas, which was insanity. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about the things that went down in Vegas, but it, it was <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, of course you are. It was a nice way to say hello to LA because we spent two nights at Caesars Palace and then the next day we moved into our new apartment in fucking Los Angeles. So that was a huge, like, <laughs> a very, very intense time period. Um, but we made it, baby. We got here September and here we are still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So tell me, tell me a Las Vegas story. I feel like you're itching to tell me like something wild that happened. <laughs> uh, it's very interesting to see how the strip world it works under COVID. Um, this was very new for me overall, but specifically like this. <laughs> um, and we definitely wanted to celebrate. So um, our last yeah. night, we got a we got a party bus, a couple couple lot nice. Nice strippers. <laughs> and just <laughs> lost a lot of money doing dumb shit. Um, but it was refreshing because there was a there was a sense of surrealism mm. um, throughout the entire road trip. I mean, we leave the democratic cities for 15 minutes and you are in America. You know, you are in the United States. You know what I mean? And that that's open during this time and COVID is still questionable, believe it or not, outside of the democratic <laughs> cities. So people like many yeah. things never actually shut down and I don't think people know how to what extent America is actually like was open during the, all of this. Um so it was really cool and here come themes of like privilege and all these things that you, we could have we could do during this time when a lot of people couldn't. Um, but yeah, that all, all led to us arriving to Los Angeles in the midst of the fires and the sky was fucking orange and it was kind of terrifying. The, all the air was covered in ash. Um, again, 
I got here and I just, I locked myself and I just cried. I cried so much in September. I sound like such a loser saying it out loud, but I, I just oh. bawled my eyes out. And, and I was so furious. I was furious at, at everything, at life. Mm. I, was, I was not an enjoyable birthday um, for any other reason other than myself, you know? And uh, one day... Sergio, who's my friend, brother, and he's been a, he's my roommate as well. He, he got, he came to my room, he set up a little keyboard, he started playing some chords and I found those chords to be beautiful. It was a time that I was listening to a lot of Kanye West and, you know, people can say whatever they want about Kanye West. Uh, For me and my experience with Kanye West and his music is very gratifying. And um, I heard a song that was the first time since a long time that I was genuinely hypnotized by music. You know, being at Berkeley, you're done with music. Midway, you're like, fuck it, I hate this. All the, it, it's all like read and, and figure shit out and homeworks and deadlines. And it kind of makes you sometimes, if you're not too good at that stuff, kind of despise the process of it. So having just graduated, I finally sat down again and I listened to the Jesus is King album. Um, and I heard a song called use this gospel. And before I knew it, that song was the catalyst motivator in me to, to start a new project. I know I sound a little crazy sometimes when people say this, but, uh, when I say this, but, uh, I found God, um, mm. I found God in, in music and he came to me in a time that I didn't have any sort of faith on anything going on. And I owe Kanye West, of all people, uh, the thank <laughs> you for making me feel something that was transcendent. It was above me. But that feeling wow. didn't leave me. It, I started dreaming about this experience that I had listening to Kanye's uh, use this gospel. And it, this, I kept having the same dream and it was God without a face, without anything. It was just, I knew I was talking to him. Um, and I was in Boston when it was happening in my dream. He wow. said, hope is gone right now. But if you keep fighting for the, you know, the right purpose, the right side of history, the right side of things, whatever you feel is the right thing, I will step in and help you, but you're going to have to make it through these hurdles and obstacles that I'm going to throw at you. And it's going to be a while before you see me make an appearance anytime soon. But I will. And that dream became stuck in my mind because it kept happening. And again, me, I was never too much of, I've been a spiritual person, but I'm not, I wasn't ever big on God or religion or anything like that. I wasn't brought up like that. But I found that, I've been raised by Christian music a lot, even at Berkeley, uh, all the Jubilee ensembles I was part of and, and church and all this stuff. Um, but it wasn't until my breakup that I, I found something that helped me lift myself up again. And I brought that, brought that energy with me to LA, which is another thing that's fucking crazy because you know, you can relate to this sometimes when you haven't been home in a long time or you're moving to a new place, you have all these pre-planned ideas of what you want to do, what you're going to do, what you wish it was like. And then you actually get home again or to this new place. And then just because of the circumstance, you kind of forget all of that and you just live your, your life. You know what I mean? But I, some, yeah. I some, somehow that passion came with me 
to LA. And when Sergio came to my room and started playing these chords that sounded holy to me, I realized that I had had months of mourning and griefing this relationship through poetry that could be turned into music. And I hadn't, I, me, a writer, hadn't fucking thought about that. <laughs> and now, here's Purgatory by Tristan Simone in its entirety. Is that, is that how the song exploder people do it? And it's also not fully, it's, it's, a, it's a sampler, it's good. Just listen to it, you like it. The year was 2020, came the purgatory. Our sins were laid in front of us, now we await the jury. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats, we're in a hurry. Yohana, I heard my worthy wasn't really worthy. So whatever dues I have to pay, I shall bow down. I found God, I renounced to the crown. I ain't no king, maybe a prince. The fall of T-Simone, the try to rinse, I repent for my sins. The devil might have died, he won, but we are children of faith, yeah, we are children of sun. I gave my life to this music, Californian dreaming, here we come. No evil will ever stop us once it's all said and done. We found Twenty-one, the clouds will disperse. The light shall shine on our skin. We let go of the hurt. I guess you heard the word on the street. Tristan's back. They wanted him gone, but he just fought back. We lost Lala. We lost graduation. We lost the miracles in the midst of a celebration. But if the American nation can grant us a dream, I'm very lucky that Sergio, my producer, and a lot of the people that I ended up forming as my tighter, tighter circle. Um. They're people of faith and they're people that didn't laugh at me when I was telling them that I was going through these experiences. Um, I, I wouldn't have been able to to even move for, away from Boston to L.A. had it not been for people like my manager, Victoria, or Sergio, the producer, um, my friend, Hania, who's also my roommate. Um, I would, I remember like during the Harper, just calling them every night, telling them this just happened. I just dreamed this. And they like, they weren't laughing, but I knew that the circles that I was with prior to that and the relationship that I was in prior to that would have never taken that seriously, would have whatever, or even if they believed it or whatever, they wouldn't care about it. And, and what I needed at that moment is someone to care. So it's like, it was the first sign that God was giving me. Well, the first sign was having that first experience after I had lost my faith. But the second sign was by making my circle be with people that will not laugh at what I'm saying. And that was like, what are the chances that God moves me to a new city? I happen to be living with the person that's going to produce this story. That And this story is about this dream that I had that my armies would come to help me one day if I just kept fighting the fight. And, you know, these little coincidences, again, I'm not too big on spiritual stuff, but it was the, 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 the structure and the time. It, it felt like a movie thing, you know? Um, so, be, yeah. so long story short, September, he comes to my room, he starts playing some keys and they sound holy. And, you know, the first lyric came out. The year was 2020, came to purgatory, and I was like, "Damn, this is the this is the new album." Um, it's 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 an album about heartbreak. It's an album about circumstance. It's an album about privilege, and my experience with my privilege. It's an album about 
narcissism and being the most arrogant version of myself, the version that pisses people off. And <laughs> merely, and that's merely why I'm doing it a lot in this album. Um, and the second we had those first, that uh, first song done, we just knew we were onto something that was gonna, if we, if we give it water every day, something's gonna sprout. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful, bro. Like when you started talking about that dream, I got, I literally got chills and that's, that's rare, you know, these days it's really, because, you know, it's interesting how God usually appears to us during our darkest, deepest, most vulnerable moments. Right. I mean, personally for me, like, uh, it, this experience of, of divine, of transcendence came to me at a really, you know, challenging moment in my life where I felt like there was no room left for me to go. Like everything was flipped upside down. I, I lost all hope. I didn't know where to go. And then this event happened. And that very same night, I was like, I remember who I am. Like I'm a storyteller. And like saying that and meaning it and and walking that walk for for the past three years has been incredibly enriching. Um, and it's like you're saying, it's like you're not alone. Like I love what you were talking about that quote that that God said to you, as like like I'm going to help you, but you got to put up the you got to do the work, man. Like you got to do feel your purpose, and that's something that I've felt very acutely lately. Uh, well, in the past year, because. Uh, I started working for this marketing agency, uh, which is people were amazing, like amazing people. But the work was really not in part with what I want to do with my life. It was like a lot of like nine to five, like working social media. Like it was it was very disheartening and it, like it was causing all these sorts of problems. And now I realize that hearing your story makes you realize that when you live according to your purpose, like it's going to be fucking terrifying at times. Uh, it's going to be uh, exhilarating at times, but it's worth it because you're always guided by this like divine frequency almost that's making your life uh, a dance, a, a music. Um, and you get to share love and you get to share uh, joy with people. And I definitely have felt from the last singles that I listened to your music, which has been just amazing, man. Like I was listening to Chasing Limelight just before starting this conversation uh, and I was just blown away because I remember listening to that when it came out and I felt so inspired by it. Mm-hmm. It was so relatable and so moving and so true. And uh, that that beat change you do in to reggaeton, I was like, oh, my God, this is so fucking good. <laughs> I love that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but there, I definitely have felt what you're talking about, God being in your lyrics um, and uh, this this sentiment of, yeah, like life is tough, but here are some lessons that I've learned. Um, here's how I've grown and it's really beautiful to be, to hear and to witness, man. And so thank you, brother. thank you for sharing. That means a lot. To yeah. Me. Yeah, man. Thank you for sharing your dream. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's so interesting for me, you know, God is not necessarily, uh, although it can be, I mean, it's really interesting. Like God is you, you are God and I am God. Um, it's nature, you know, it's a flow. It's, uh, it's this, uh, ineffable thing that moves us and wants to dance. There's this, uh, 
story in Hinduism of Brahma. Brahma is God in Hinduism. And the way they understand God is like Brahma gets lost in the world. And part of the joy in Brahma is like finding itself back through dancing, through moving, through heartbreak, through joy, through all these things. And, and I see you and I see your dance. I see your Brahmic dance and it's really wonderful. It's really inspiring. And so that also brings me to, to another point that I was wanting to ask you as you were speaking is like, How is your artistic journey, you know, how have you kept it alive during all this time? Obviously, there's the God element, which is incredibly important and the foundation almost of everything that's rising now from you. But when you're in the trenches, man, when you're like, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? Like, what do you do to keep in track? Because I I was lost in illusion for a bit and it was really painful uh, doing something that I wasn't in tune with. And I don't want to, you know, talk about like, follow your passion because that's, that's all. It's like, it's, it's more about, it's more, it's about like you're talking about, like following your purpose, following your, your, dar- your dharma, your truth, whatever you want to call it. So, so please illuminate me. Tell me how you stay true to yourself. I wasn't being true to myself uh, from the time, from the breakup up until I stopped post posting online, which was September. So this is like a July august september period i was pretty phony online and not phony in the sense that i was like oh guys look at me uh phony in the sense that i was portraying myself as happy as we still got it uh as we're strong as my 60 piece band is still alive and breathing everything went to shit to absolute garbage and i felt such so hypocritical posting online or anything that mm. wasn't horrible because I didn't feel any other thing other than horrible. But obviously when you don't have a personal account with your real name or stuff like that, and you have to continue pushing a brand, you have to be careful with mm-hmm. what that brand stands for. And I was very overwhelmed because I had an, I- once again in my life, I had an identity crisis. I didn't know who I wanted to be. I didn't know I didn't even had have an idea of who what I was in the first place anymore. Again, when my relationship went downhill, everything about all the good qualities in my music that gave me confidence, conviction, determination, creativity, faith overall of waking up and all right, let's do it. That had gone. So whatever I was posting was completely false let me just add that i make it sound like i'm some like celebrity i i have i'm I'm a random kid who nobody cares if i post or not you know what i mean like whatever but uh i have to take myself seriously if i want to yeah that's what i was gonna say you know what i mean so i do have to yeah yeah i have to think a little bit in those terms so i told my management my lovely management and my friends that i'm out um I need to prioritize my happiness. And if you guys let me disappear for some time, I don't know how long, I promise you that I'll come back with something to work with. And not just for me, for all of us, something that involves all of us again and will keep the ball rolling. But you guys have to trust that I will deliver this content to you. But all I'm asking is to let me disappear and heal. 
And that's when the concept of the wounded coyote really came alive because now we had two, three songs already that, again, were never intended to be songs, but they were the songs that I wanted to write. They were saying the things that I wanted to say. They were the tones, textures, and colors that I felt inside. And Sergio and I have never really spoke. We don't speak like about our intimate problems with each other, but we speak about them through music. So he really mm. interpreted my pain, which is completely a, like something he, well, that's not, it, it, it. he didn't go through that at that time. So he, all he could do was interpret my story and he did a beautiful job. I mean, he touched every, every emotional, um, <laughs> every emotional box on that record. And it the reason I came back is not because I had any announcement to make. I didn't have any Lala or, or album even done yet or anything, but I came back because I finally had, I didn't heal yet. I'm still to this day coping with what happened um, in the summer. Yeah. But I at least am being truthful about it. So now I'm excited to come back and tell people, Hey, Actually, I'm not this happy, confident, strong guy that you, this image that was this version of me. This is what I mean. There's a before and after in my life in this relationship thing. But this is who I am. Someone who's going to use vulnerability and grief as a communicator. I'm going to communicate through music. And what you're going to hear is not going to be happy. I'm going to probably throw a lot of people under the bus uh, that hurt me in this album. But after losing so many liberties in 2020, I, I came to the conclusion that as long as I'm not being a bad person and a, I can say and do whatever the fuck I want to do in my music, uh, no yeah. matter how, what, no matter what it is, you know. So with that thing in mind and present, and I, I really cared less and less what people were telling me to do. That was really tying me up creatively and emotionally that I said the wounded coyote is going to tell the story of a kid who has a heartbreak in the middle of a pandemic, moves to a new city, and despite all these obstacles that you're going to be hearing in the, in the 14 songs, he came out with a record to tell that story. And mm -hmm. anything that comes after that additional is merely because of the pause that I took for four months or five months. Had I not disappeared and internalized my, my grief and mourning and cried in the bed behind me and just write, I wouldn't have come back at all. I, I actually hate social media. I actually hate mm -hmm. social media. I'm going to say this out loud. <laughs> Same here. My, Same here, man. <laughs> my, my career choices uh, obviously need me to, to be involved as much as I can. And because I'm not sponsored by anyone, I'm not signed, I'm an independent artist. I, um, mm -hmm. I have to do all the work, me and my team. But at least it's fucking organic. And the smiles you're seeing on pictures are fucking real. And as much yeah. crying as there is, uh, well, who the hell doesn't cry? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Taking a pause, man. Taking a pause. We're like in the society and this... <laughs> That's so cheesy. We're in a society that doesn't know, but in this culture, man, we're, we're from the get go when we're born, we're, we're told 
do this, do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. You have to, you can't stop because people are going to catch up and competition and all these things. And you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. For me, one of the greatest moments where I healed, I was like meditating with some teacher and it was like this really beautiful visualization of like visualize your parents. Like if they were the perfect parents in the world, obviously not hating on your parents, but just like, just visualize how that would feel, you know, what that would look like. You're a kid, your parents are basically superheroes and like they're talking to you. And um, one of the things that came out of that was the phrase, you are enough, Fer, you are enough. Because for so long in my life, I always felt like I wasn't good enough. Uh, I was always, you know, and that manifested in different ways that weren't very very healthy, but so that when you talk, when you're telling me now, these, these five months it took out from the spotlight, let's say from the limelight, how healing it was for you, how impactful it was. It's just something to like highlight, man. Not only, man, not only was it impactful and healing, uh, it, it, it became strategic, which for, yeah. for the first time in the entire pandemic, not only did I realize I'm doing this for me, one, two, I happen to be recording a crap ton of music in my own house without leaving the house. And I have the best fucking producer that I know, like, thank God, helping me throughout the entire process. Mm. And then using that five months, five months to build content in a time where it's impossible to leave the house. That's, it became strategic. It almost became even exciting to come back. So we marketed it as as corny as it is, the return of Tristan Simone. We made it, we try to make it seem like a big deal, you know. Um, but again, if if I want to take myself seriously, I have to treat myself like if it's you know I, I'm I'm there. You know what I mean? And yeah, we had while everyone around me in my circles and musicians that I knew like we were all scarce with material we were all recycling old footage putting old shows uploading whatever award from 2014 like i used that opportunity of instead of giving people old stuff and just losing followers and none go silent shut the fuck up observe the game (laughs) write the album that you were meant to write and get it out of your system once it's out of your system as fast as you can start calling your friends you remember that dream of people putting of an army coming to aid you and make it work. And we did it. I mean, we, we shot a video for purgatory that I don't know how to stress this enough to people, but I think that my biggest accomplishment was getting 65 people together in the climax of a pandemic in the worst affected city per capita in the world that, at the worst moment, don't tell the CDC that man. It's chilling. It's chilling because <laughs> you know we made sure we followed all the rules. Yeah, and, sure, yeah. and uh, you know it was a cool <laughs> opportunity to print out customized like Bella Madness mm-hmm. masks that people could use with our logo, mm-hmm. and it just gave this whole feeling of like a cult of like a but not like the creepy <laughs> we're gonna kill each other cult like the type of cult that gets together to create hope. That's what I wanted to, mm. to, to do. So the whole idea was the return of Tristan Simone. Let's make this a big thing. Let's tell Hollywood we've arrived. I have all this these friends that are just moved in here from Berkeley as well. 
we 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 demand a place in in this city and that's what those first two or three records were a statement for and you know they're not really telling what's going on in the story of the wounded coyote or the album but they're kind of setting the the little seeds that are then going to have the rest of the project surrounding and actually telling you word by word what happened mm-hmm. i love that play man because it's i love how you're talking about this move as strategic um, I didn't listen to this full podcast, but it, it was it was talking about how like magical thinking is highly strategic, um, and I really vibe with that because it's true. And I think I think there also has to be a point where like that strategy isn't all consuming, or like you're talking about like narcissistic, right? It's like how can I turn this into a, a dance, a game, uh, this play that I'm going to do, uh, and you're saying like benefit others and inspire others. Um, so I think that's super dope. And I think as a creator, personally, I'm, I felt that what you're talking about right now, taking time off, going silent and socials, going silent on different platforms and really taking time to do the work. Um, and, uh, yeah, like it's, 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 it's crazy. So going off in that a little bit, I'm curious if you have any other kind of like lessons that would apply to content creators, to musicians, to artists, I guess to artists, let's just go with that, to artists that you've learned during this pandemic. Like you were talking about the strategic moves, right? Like backing off, like retreating and in the retreat, there's victory. Um, But I don't know if you've had any other lessons that that have come up that you want to talk about now. Well, I speak merely through the lens of my experience. So whatever advice that I give is, is neither accurate or inaccurate. Um, you what helped me is to telling everyone around me to shut up and 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 trust trust that my idea is going to work and if i'm the one committed to organizing it all and taking all the weight off of everyone's plate all they have to do is show up then trust then give me that you know what i mean and if i fail and i fail numerous times then of course step in and tell me what the fuck. But in order for you to be happy and anyone to be happy is you got to trust yourself and know that you can make something happen. And then when mm. you know you you are for certain and for a fact, you know that this can happen. You extend that to the people that are supporting you and helping you, and mm. it use it it, it it can only be used to your advantage, you know. But uh, I'm not going to lie to you. During this period of, of my life, a lot of the people around me saw my mental collapse. <laughs> and it's not that they went away. is that they just, there wasn't anything anyone could do at that time. And I don't blame anyone currently working with me forever doubting, doubting you know, if, if this was something we could continue. I don't know. I tell people to be honest. And honesty will always be the easiest solution. Um, I don't. I work mostly um, with musicians. Uh, I can't speak for like painters or ceramic artists or for anyone else, but for musicians, uh, you got to be honest. If you're not honest about how you feel and where you are, um, it's going to catch up to you. It's going to weigh you down, and it's going to be an injury and an obstacle that it's going to be way, way, way harder to get out of because you've conditioned your mind to think that embellishing how you feel and 
just talking a lot of shit is the right thing to do. And it's, <laughs> it really isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a soul injury when you're not true to yourself. I am tired uh-huh. of people thinking that creatives and artists are narcissists merely because they have the confidence to get on. You know, people call me narcissist a lot and I'm not saying I don't have narcissistic tendencies. I do. But the thing is, why the fuck would I ever pursue a career in hip hop if I don't think I'm the best at it? If I don't think that I can be the number one selling artist one day, if I'm not approaching the industry with that hunger and mentality and tunnel vision, then then what? what's the point? Am I going to pursue a career in music to be in the background, sitting in the back and thinking, well, should I raise my hand, ask her for me? Like if that mm. makes me a narcissist, then I'm the biggest narcissist there is. But I, 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 it's unfortunate that career driven people are often mistaken with, with being self-centered and narcissistic. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just fucking hungry for what I want. And whoever wants to come along in the way, I will, will eat from the same plate. I will help everyone who helps me, but this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it with or without the help of anyone. But Hell fortunately yeah. I do have that help. Um, I have the best fucking <laughs> yeah. friends in the world, but uh, the best thing I, I advise anyone is to just be honest with, with where you at. Yeah. And have that drive, man, to be the best. Cause otherwise what's the point? Right. Like, I mean, it's, like, it's, Oh, I'm going to become, yeah. an, I'm going to become an architect, but like, I'm just going to, you know, do a couple like, no, you're going to be an architect and you're going to present your fucking dream building. You know what I mean? Like the, the sh- you're going to design the shit, like the fucking crazy building <laughs> in the world. I don't want to hire the architect that's not confident and that is, has no experience because he was never, he was always afraid to get on the stage. Like, I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and often because you're like that, people are like, oh man, he's a narcissist. Oh man, it's all about him. No, man, he, he's just arrogant. It's like... Yeah, it's no, it's, it's a mindset. <sighs> but like you're saying, like, obviously, it starts with you, because if it doesn't start with you, then nobody like the world doesn't uh, like function like, oh, like you want to be uh, a writer, like here, have a contract. No, you gotta you gotta work that you gotta practice every day. You gotta uh, be visionary in sense like, how can I be how can I be improved? How can I grow? How can I who can I meet that can help me be a better writer? Like, that drive to like, I guess for me, like being number one, a number one writer is like, not like, I'm not interested in, in being a New York times bestseller. That, that would be nice. Um, it's more of like be the best for me. And like, what standards do I hold myself up to? And like, I have to really be scrutinized who I'm holding myself up to against. Cause if it's like my parents wishes for me or my friends like views of me, like, no, like, that's just noise. Um, and I appreciate that, you know, uh, advice or, you know, well wishes or concerns and all that stuff. But it's like you're saying, and it's really inspiring to hear. It comes down to you. Like, you're the seed that builds a tree and then the tree gives shade to others. And obviously, people have to water that, that seed because, like, as a musician, you can't, like, you have to listen to all sorts of music. And I, I hear it in your music when I listen to your music, Kristen. Like I hear all the uh, inspirations that you have from reggaeton to, to hip hop to, uh, uh, to what's it, flamenco, you know? And I've seen you perform and I've seen you do that. And so it's really, it's really quite wonderful. And thank you for saying that because 
but thank you for saying that. But I'm also super curious to hear how your journey with confidence and drive has been. Because I don't know about you, but like when I started out doing this whole like writer artist kind of thing, I was I I was not nearly as confident as I am today. You know, like there were a lot of fucking uh, slaps to the face that I had to endure to build up that resilience. So I'm curious as to like what your experience has been with that, like that drive. How do you how have you nurtured it? How has it grown? Uh, I lost all my confidence when uh, the breakup happened. Um, mm-hmm. And again, to the extreme of like, I'm shutting Tristan Simone down. I don't need this. I'm returning home. Um, this has been enough. I've had it. I've had it up to here. Um, and again, my confidence was jeopardized because the stuff that I was po- I was posting, I was posting for the wrong reasons, which had become try to pretend like nothing's happening. Uh, nobody needs to know about the breakup online, which we have been very public about this relationship. You know what I mean? So how do I balance suddenly that person not being in any of the posts and people asking questions, which they did. Um, and I anticipated that. Uh, and I just had to lie and lie and lie just to respect his wishes and, and, to, and privacy and to respect, you know, nobody needs to know that. You know what I mean? But um, then my confidence, I'm not saying I'm all confident right now. Like I, I, I hope I don't come off as confident, as entirely confident, because I, I, I don't think I could go anywhere if I was entirely confident. Right. Um, but I do think that what makes my confidence now versus, you know, the beginning of this journey is that I was doing the videos that I wanted to do. I wasn't doing them for views or for mm. or for who can I impress or mm. who can I send this to that might be able to say, wow. And there, mm. it ends there. No, like I was doing this, like, wh- how do I, the creator of this song, what do I see as a video for this? And I did that. And I, and then I, I, I just, I did that for, for every, five, there's nine music videos, brother. There is nine wow. music videos coming this year. Three of them have been, have come out. I did that for each one of them. I told the stories that I wanted to tell with different, with the directors that I wanted to work with and anyone who was like, like, no, or I don't think this, get out of my way, get out of my way. I don't, mm. I don't need that noise right now. I'm fucking looking for people who want to do something creative. None of us have money. So all we have is ambition. Uh, if you help me, I'll help you and I'll help you regardless if whether you not help me. But, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's kind of what I did. And I realized that, through being again honest with myself and with my friends uh, and pursuing and doing the content that I wanted to do, my confidence came back because I was no longer trying to impress my ex-boyfriend. I was no longer trying to impress social media and I was no longer trying to create an image of we got our shit together. We do not have our shit together. And actually, (laughs) I'm going to be the loudest about it. I'm going to be thanking everyone per every Instagram post saying how ridiculously absurd it was that this actually happened or came through or like whatever. You know what I mean? I want everyone to know that this is so difficult to do, but it's doable. All you have to do mm-hmm. is 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 to to get out of bed and and listen to a little gospel. <laughs> I think what you're saying is so true. It's so true cuz like who are you creating for? Is it for the 1000th like? Yeah, is it for there the it is. <laughs> For the referral to like, oh, the producer who was going to do this for me. It's like, 
when you own the means of production, as Marx would say, uh, not that I know much or I'm a proponent of communism, but when you own what you're producing, when you own like the reason why you're doing it, it's so powerful. And I'm, I'm re- remembering what that's like these days. Cause like, for example, I, right now I'm doing like, I'm shooting a mini, mini trailer for the new season for the podcast that's coming out. And there was this whole journey that I went through it. Like, well, actually I'll tell you the story about how I came to the idea, but uh, it involves crying. So I really appreciate you talking about crying because I want to tell everyone in the streets, I want to go out in the streets and shout it and be like, have you cried lately? Because it's really good for you. <laughs> like, it's so healing. Uh, like, cry. Um, so, but it was like, I'm doing this thing and it's it's really wonderful because I, I don't care how many views it gets. I don't care if it gets 100 or 20 or 1,000. I'm like, I'm doing this for me, man. Like, I'm doing this to see what I can do. And and have fun doing the work because if we're like we're if we're always so focused on what happens after the work then it's like we're chasing our own tails and we're never going anywhere um like we're chasing smoke uh and that's the way to live especially as an artist so um yeah love that so inspiring so good to hear uh yes speaking about pauses and breaks and reconnecting to oneself um Man, it's been so wonderful talking to you so far uh, and always will be, by the way. Thank you. But, you know, I've always had these questions. I feel like we have to talk about this because we were we were uh, a, a concert that we wanted to sit together, one sit together. And you were about to tell me what Tristan Simone was about and what Bella Madness was about. And then like our path and then we never spoke about it again. And so I've had to live with that question. Like, what is Tristan Simone about? Like, where did that name come from? What is Bella Madness? What is, you know, I want to go more into this army um, scenario that you've been talking about because you've been, I've, you've been talking about it. You've been showing it since sophomore year of college. I feel I've seen it around. And so tell me more about, tell me more about your artistic vision. Like what defines you as an artist? Like what do you stand for? Well, I'll begin with the name. Um, I think yeah. it was important that if I want uh, a career in music, that I should separate my life with whatever brand or name or whatever I want to associate that ambition or dream that I have. So I created Tristan Simone. Nobody needs to know my real name other than my friends and family. And um, so Tristan Simone are two names that I love. Uh, the story of how that came to be is a little dark, but I'll summarize it. Um, I had a, a pretty, pretty horrible event happen to me in, in mm. college that required me to go to the hospital. And mm. when I woke up, my friend, uh, Tristan, uh, was there waiting for me. And he, instead of asking me how I was, he started talking to me about Nina Simone like completely disregarding the situation of what was going on. And those Mm. two things, Tristan and Nina Simone, who also is an artist that I love unconditionally, um, kind of merged into this idea of Tristan Simone and and the fact that this guy wasn't even, he knew that I didn't want to ask, be asked, how are you? (laughs) It Mm. was more of a, by the way, you know what Nina said this and this, and she said this and this and this album and this date, and I thought that was the most beautiful thing in the world. I, I had also the name Tristan. We, you know, uh, not too spiritual here, but it it kept appearing a lot in my life. I happened to like that name. I like that in Spanish Tristan. It sounds almost like triste, which is a lot of wordplay that I can do because I often feel very sad. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of my art, despite it being aggressive and rap, and it comes from a very um, place of grief. And I, I haven't mm-hmm. always been able to pinpoint where that grief is coming from. But uh, I think through the exploration of my music, I'll find that. Um, so that mm-hmm. that's how Tristan Simone was born. Uh, and leading into Bella Madness, I've always felt this very how can I make it in this world if I'm an unsigned artist? There's a million rappers younger than me who are better and more money, more everything. And then the whole other element of luck needs to play into that, mm-hmm. you know? So I, instead of trying to reach the record labels or reach the auditions or reach the performance or whatever, I said, Listen, none of these people care about me right now. They will not care about me. And if they do, by the time they get to me, it's been a a fucking lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do my own thing. Mm. Rappers and hip hop artists at Berkeley, they're going to ignore me for whatever reason. Then great. Then let them do be on their own lane. I'm going to call everyone I know. And I'm going to start putting people together. I'm going to bring the visual aspect of this music. I'm going to start involving everyone the best marketing i can ever do as an unsigned and no money artist is involving people in my projects who want to be in mm-hmm. because the bigger it is that that's one extra person that can share it and say i was part of this and their 500 likes and their 500 friends are going to your shit and because their friend was on it so here i come building a 60 piece band with a choir horn sections two DJs, uh, dancers, management, visual artists, uh, everything you can imagine with the show. And the, we were packing the shows, little secret of mine, not because I was the popular kid, but because 60 people were on a stage. So you add 60 times three, boom, you have 150 people in a venue just coming to hear music. And, if, and you have the opportunity in those next 45 minutes to prove to them why one it was worth to come here two it was who the fuck is this band how is he doing this and three like i i i can make a new follower and and a follower that wasn't my friend and who was following me because of what i had the responsibility to show them in those 45 minutes of show so yeah with that strategy I decided to call people and, and eventually the more I called and the more videos I involved other people in, I started like, I caught, I got all the cool kids in the videos uh, from school, <laughs> which meant that all the other kids in the school now wanted to be part of this because they were just seeing every fucking weekend, these images and trailers and fight scenes and armies happening. And it's like this Berkeley thing, but it's not Berkeley. It's Tristan Simone sponsoring this thing in Berkeley. And suddenly it became so much easier for me to do projects towards my last years in Boston. Cause now instead of having to find and struggle to recruit people, I could post on my stories. I'm looking for 50 people to do a video for this and this and this. And just because they knew that I was just crazy with my ideas and it probably involved fighting or an army or some big thing, and it was just fun, people started just coming, coming, and coming, and it just kept growing and growing because now the school wasn't giving them performances. I was giving them performances. Mm -hmm. I was putting my name on that bill, and I was giving 60 fucking people the ability to play their instrument. Yeah, it, it's not about authority or anything, but it, it is about community, and that's what Bella Madness was. If the school and the system and the authoritarian 
structures of music industry and educational institutions is not going to give everyone the same mm-hmm. amount of privilege and stage presence that I'm because nobody gave it to me for my first two years of college. I'm going to give it to them. And I'm going to make my story and experience at Berkeley look so cool that they're going to want to be part of it. And they're, and that they're going to see me as someone who can give them resource. So because I, and I said, fuck everyone who said no to every audition said, no, we can't have a, 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 a gay rapper. All those people away from my life. So Bella mm-hmm. Madness wasn't about having the best musicians. It was about having the musicians that wanted to be in this, which is very different because I rather have 20 freshman singers just got in lacking a little bit of structure and still and this and that they're not all there yet. You know what I mean? but who really want to be in this show, then getting the 20 best singers at Berkeley and have them be like another gig or not give a shit. So suddenly these performances had people that nobody had seen perform. It was a lot, often their first time performing. So this was always packed shows because it was new. Who is Who are these people? Americans didn't want to play with me. A lot of them didn't. So what, I, what did I do? I casted the entire commun- Italian community at Berkeley. And the reason I did that was because, which is why Bella, beautiful in Italian, exists, is because the Italian community were the first musicians at Berkeley who didn't care about the drama, the nonsense, the rumors or whatever, and said, we're here for the music. And they are all classically trained and in jazz as well. So they'd never played hip-hop before. So here comes a guy that puts all the Italians together and (laughs) says, we're going to do a hip-hop show. These motherfuckers had not being hip-hop musicians per se, turn that into an incredible experience for them because it was their opportunity to try something new which is what i was always trying to do why am i going to be surrounding myself with rappers and producers at berkeley i'm going to bring in people who don't work in these things because they're going to put the best of their energy and that's how bella madness was born it became a little little mafia club (laughs) in the school where we eventually had enough power to make important decisions and you know, be at the level of the administration. Like if administration needed something, they could, they, we, we had negotiate, we had negotiating power. I'm not, I shit you not. Wow. <laughs> because so many students and faculty were in Bella Mathis. I love that shit. I love making like the idea of the work of making your own way. It's so inspiring and involving people and building community and that's something I want to do for this podcast now that I have more time now. Cause I, I kept saying that in the first season, but I, I had no time and I was like, I was just starting out. So I was, it was a test kind of, but now I really want to like build a community of people on the path, people who are trying to be the best at what they do. People who are trying to share love and light in this world that needs it more than ever. We have 10 years, 10, eight years to prevent like a climate crisis from really, you know, tearing uh, the world apart. So like, but so it's so inspiring to hear you talk about this, talking about making your own way, talking about building alliances, talking about, okay, you don't want to work with me. That's fine. That's your own way. That's your own karma, but it's not going to stop me from creating opportunity and for others, not just for myself. And so thank you for sharing that. And thank you for illuminating also the Tristan Simone. That's beautiful. That's so powerful. I'm sorry you have to go through that. That really horrible with with what happened. But it's so interesting too to, to, to think and consider how some of our most terrible moments serve as moments for rebirth and 
if, in order to be reborn, you have to die. It's this, there's this, I don't know if it's in the, it's in some Vedic text. <laughs> yeah. It's like to, to die before you die is, is something good to do. Um, and obviously I don't want to advocate for permanent ego death or, you know, or ego dissolution. <laughs> I, know, I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's basically, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's like the, all these concepts that you have of who you are or who people tell you that you are just fuck that, <laughs> you know, let them go, listen to your heart, listen to your, and that's so part. And that's, you know, when I look at your music and your work, it like, it forces my heart to like wake up. Because when when somebody's following their dharma, their heart in such a way as you are, and I know it's not easy, man. I know you've gone through really hellish scenarios. Uh, and again, I'm not fetishizing your dark moments, but they are. I mean, life is a play of dark and light. But you're someone who whose heart I feel is is in the right place, and that for me is really powerful, man. I'm just doing what what we were set, set to do. I mean, I, I went yeah. to music school to do music and that's what I'm going to do. And I want to, I don't feel like any of this should be things that are celebrated. Unfortunately, we live in a world right now where empathy and help is not around too much. But mm-hmm. um, I don't abide by those rules. And I know that um, helping people means that you'll get helped. And trust me, you're going to need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can't do this by ourselves. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, Arturo, I think we're just about out of time. But it's been such a pleasure talking to you, man. It's been so wonderful. I feel so invigorated. I just want to go out there and do something right now and go back to work. (laughs) No, man, thank you. There's not a lot of people asking me these type of questions. And I appreciate being able to, like, actually speak freely and 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 not have to type an interview down or something like that so i i appreciate the, the conversation how organic and, and real it is you're doing a great job my friend thank you <laughs> thank you man yeah and uh, i'm sure it won't be the last time we speak. <laughs> no absolutely not um yeah and i don't know if you want to uh share you know uh share your work like what how can people follow you what is coming up in your schedule you're going to Lollapalooza, yes, like sir. that got back on track. That's I got back dope. on track. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like, oh, I wish I was there in Chicago when it comes. So tell me, tell me about your next steps. We, that can even be like the last question. Maybe like, tell me all that stuff. I don't know when this will be coming out, but uh, this Friday, five days from now, four days from now, uh, the last single from my album comes out before the mm-hmm. album comes out. And I don't think I've said this publicly, but it's no secret. I'm aiming towards July 22nd to be the album release date a week before Lollapalooza. So we can utilize, you know, the the concert and have everyone just know that the album's out if they want to hear it and not have to wait. Um, After Lala and after the album is out, I'm going to continue releasing uh, more videos from the project because I'm trying to make a little short film by the end of the year, have everything Mm -hmm. all together into one movie. Wow. And that you can watch wow. as much as well as listen. And uh, yeah, 2021 for me and for the Tristan Simone schedule is promoting the Wounded Coyote, recovering from bullshit and seeing how we can end this chapter in a good note. Yeah. Amazing. Can't wait to listen to the album. Can't wait to watch the short film. The, the Solange kind of visualizer inspired. I, I, I love that. That's really cool. 
uh man you're the best thank you for hopping on you're the best man yes sir i'll be around anytime yeah bro uh amazing so you can follow i'll put your socials in the in the bio in the show notes and yeah we'll take it from there but until then people who are listening to this follow your own path be honest uh and be true and and god will you know the energy whatever you want to call it the universe will help you find a way so Thank you, yes, Tristan, sir. for reminding us of that. I hope you have a great <laughs> day, <Katagasi>. bro. <laughs> <laughs> Un abrazo, bro. Estamos hablando. Chao, hermano.